Welcome to Season 2 of The Century Plan, a podcast designed to help you achieve better outcomes for your money. In Season 1, we delved into the science, history and philosophy behind financial planning. This season, we'll talk about the tools you can use to map out your financial journey from now to age 100. And we'll cover how to cope with unexpected changes. And we'll be talking with our guests about their own life experiences, which have led them to rethink their approach to planning. All this and more with Dennis Hall and Sarah Steele on The Century Plan. To kickstart our new season, we're going to talk about the tools we use in financial planning. We're going to look at their advantages, but we will also spend some time on their limitations. And the first tool is one we've talked about before, and I think some people will be familiar with it. It's cash flow modelling. Dennis, can you describe cash flow modelling to me? I will, but can I first big up cash flow modelling? For the last 25 years or so, I've identified as a financial planner rather than a financial advisor. And I think the core difference for me is that the financial or the cash flow modelling has sat at the heart of everything I do. And when we produce these cash flow models for our clients, they have all said that that exercise, that process at the beginning of of our relationship has given them more clarity than anything else. And so... Whilst there are limitations, and we'll, we'll come to those, the cash flow model is the real heart of everything that we do. And, you know, I could talk about it all day long. I'm not going to, don't worry. I could talk about it all day long, but, but let's try and simplify a bit. The mm-hmm. cash flow model is essentially a financial roadmap. Okay. And so if you think about you wanted to get in your car and make a journey, you've got, a, you've got an idea of where you're starting from, your home perhaps, and where you're trying to get to, um, you know, Exeter to Aberdeen. And you're going to look at the map, or these days you might look at the sat-nav, and say, well, I'm going to go there by motorways or the scenic route. Um, I want to know where, the, where, where I can stop for petrol. Am I going to have to have an overnight stay? All of those things, it's the kind of the, the bit that tells you how you're going to get there, uh, get there, how long it might take you, um, are you going to be able to do it? Okay, all right. So this is the sort of situation where I might come to you and I want to talk about my retirement and I say, I'm you know, 45 now, I want to be financially independent when I'm 65 and I want to have an income of, I don't know, 40,000. You use cash flow modelling to work out whether I can do that. Yeah, it's a you know you've given me some you've given me some data, and I'm going to want to know a little bit more about that data. What have you got today? What's the starting point? What are the assets that you have today, and where are they? You know, are you in you know are you invested in in cash or are you invested in shares? Mm-hmm. You know, so I can get an idea of what that money is going to be, how hard that's going to be working over the time. Um, what's the difference between your income and expenditure? Um, and broadly, what are the categories of that? So how are you saving it? How are you spending it? Um, what's likely to happen along the way? Right. Um, you know, what are the expectations for salary increases? Um, less so inheritances, but it's nice to have an idea of what might be along the way. Um, what other milestones might, be, might you be hitting? Health expectations and all of those things. How long are you going to live? Are you... Are you married or not? All of those things that 
will have some influence over that financial journey. But I don't need too much data at this stage. I was going to say that because I think if you want to sort of start this process, you don't want to feel put off by the fact that you might be expected to bring a whole file of paperwork. Well, it can be as it can be as very simple initially. I, you know, you said earlier some people know what cash flow modeling modeling is, but not many mm. um, necessarily. It's beginning to get a, so a bit more use, a bit more acceptance amongst the financial planning or sort of the financial advice community, um, and there's a, an expectation from the financial conduct authority that cash flow modeling may be used in in certain areas of advice like pension transfers and and uh, income drawdown in retirement to you know to help paint a better picture of what might happen to money but still an awful lot of people um, have very short-term views around money and just you know how how do i invest this sum of money that i've come into and without really thinking about the long-term aims and objectives so um, you're right if we if we if we make it overly complicated uh, in the short term, it, it, it might just put people off. Yeah. So where when do you start using the cash flow model in front of a, a client? Do I sit down with you straight away and you launch straight into it? Or is there other stuff you do before you introduce the cash flow model? I'd like an understanding, I think, about um, what the objectives are, what the goals are, to see if we're, you know, is somebody thinking in the same long-term approach that I am okay. um, and help them get there otherwise it's, it becomes sort of meaningless yeah. to them yeah. Um, but yeah we will start with a very rough fairly um, simple first cut of a model to try and give somebody I suppose an experience of what it might look like okay. and to help them extend their I suppose their references and the, the ability to look long term mm. so income expenditure Stop work at 65, this is the amount of money I want to live on. Is it going to work or not? Yeah. Yes or no? Okay. And that's a, that's a sort of line from A to B that we've talked about before. So A is now, B is retirement and where you want to be. Um, and the model can uh, project and, and show you whether that's achievable. Sounds like a bit of a straight line, but we know that life isn't straightforward. Uh, and something relatively significant, negatively significant could happen along the way. What do you do then? I'm going to come to that in a moment. Right. Because I think what, what what we haven't done is so. but what if it's not going to work? You know, you've come to me and I've, I've put the financial plan, income expenditure and all of that. Um, and it wouldn't it be great if it said, well, if you just keep on doing what you're doing, it's all going to be fantastic. But what if I say to you, and I'm using the model and say, well, actually... Um, by about age of 70, you've run out of money. What are the levers that I've got to pull? So by using financial planning and cash flow modelling, we can begin to say, well, actually, the expenditure that you have today might be too high to support things going forward, or you're invested in cash and you really ought to be invested in in sort of longer-term assets like shares. So that's the, the simpler part of the model. Yeah. When we've got that bit looking about right then, yeah, the, the what-ifs come along. What if something happened? Can we model that? Yes, we can, and, and we do. Um, you know, it could be something like, um, what if I get ill health? What if I'm unable to, you know, work to retirement? 
Um, what do I need to do there? And that might, I suppose, inform as to how much uh, uh, sort of life assurance or critical in illness insurance we might need to have. Um, what if I get divorced? What if my partner dies? Do I need to do something? You know, how is that going to affect me as an individual? So, yeah, those are the sort of the, the catastrophe planning in a way. Yeah, so you don't have to wait until those things happen. Uh, you know, we, we know that there is a chance that these things can occur. So before they do, we can work out whether or not we can cope with them. Yeah, and, and you can help put the protections in place against those the disasters that might happen. I mean, we are compelled to have insurance for our cars in yeah. case something happens, yeah. um, but we're not compelled to have those things for our families. So getting a visual a sort of a representation of, of what could happen in a disaster can encourage us to um, sort of insure ourselves correctly. Great. So that's the, the sort of negative side and the, the potential negative events that might happen. But um, I guess you must also speak with clients about uh, plans that change for positive reasons. So, um, you know, there's a grandchild on the way or someone wants to get on the property ladder and that client wants to help their child and support their child with that. Can you model that as well? You can model that and all kinds of things. In fact, I think very often we focus on the negatives um, and we do need to make sure we've got those covered. But life can be very rich and rewarding. So being able to do things, you know, uh, we've seen the bank of mum and dad, for example, rise in, in sort of importance and prominence over the last decade or so as we find that younger generations are unable to get onto the property ladder mm. need a big leg up with deposits so but by and but by giving that away by giving some of our savings away what impact is that going to have on our long-term financial stability ourselves so we want an ability to model that and have a degree of comfort that if we give that money away and we help our children we are not going to create a problem for ourselves further down the line so cash flow modeling can do that but there's something else that I found that has been really, really rewarding is talking to people in the f sort of much later stages of their life. You know, historically, we would write a will and leave our assets to other people, um, you know, uh, and, and sometimes charities, uh, 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 the next generation. And we're never around to see the real benefits and get the joy of doing that. Mm. A lot of work I've been doing with people using cash flow modelling has been looking at the um, the sustainability of giving away assets sooner. Yeah, being able to share in that joy because there's a huge amount of joy in in doing things for other people, and to some extent that's that's what the money's there. That you know, being able to enjoy your money in that way is a useful thing to do. Cash flow modelling helps people give money away much earlier than they might otherwise do mm. and to do it with confidence. Mm. And to get the joy from it. It's huge, yeah. yeah. Yeah, So have you ever had someone come to you and say, I know what the plan was, but now I want to go for a year-long round-the-world cruise. Can you model it? Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> I, I, I have had similar things. People who've, who've sold up and bought a, um, what do they call it, a mobile home and, yeah. and, and done that trip. 
people who have, have, have wanted to downsize from the city job, you yeah. know, the big high paying job and just completely change lifestyle. There's a huge fear about making change. Yeah, um, And you want as much evidence as you can that if you do make that change, you're going to be okay. Having a long-term cash flow model, having something that will say, using these assumptions, and assumptions are quite important, by the way, but mm. using these assumptions, we think things are going to be okay. Okay. This is uh, one of the limitations of the model is that it's not it's not going to be right. Okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's never going to be right. There are so many things that can go wrong along the way. Yeah. Um, so all you can ever do is do something and, and almost have a leap of faith. Yeah. But if you're using fairly robust assumptions, yeah. Because the relationships between different aspects of our money are fairly robust. Tell me what you mean by assumptions again. So what are we assuming about interest rates? What are we assuming about inflation rates? What are we assuming about earnings growth, property, all of those things? Whilst all of those things are quite variable, there is a reasonably stable relationship between each of them. Right. So we might say, look, inflation could go from sort of uh, 2% to 8%. um, and, and vary quite dramatically over time, but its relationship to underlying interest rates and the returns you get from shares is not quite as dramatic. Okay. So we can we can begin to plot these things using a um, fairly simple straight line approach. Uh, it sounds like a very visual tool, cash flow modelling, which I, I like. Um, do you think that other people find that helpful? That, that, that adage is a... A picture speaks a thousand words. Yeah, definitely. Mm. If you can take what might be pages and pages of data and just turn that into a simple graph um, where you've got a line and then somewhere on that line we can use a bit of colour to say this is good, that is bad. And if we change a variable, we can change how much of the graph is in the good bit and and how little of it is in the bad bit. Um, ideally, we don't want to run out of money at all. So if we just keep changing some of the inputs, you know, let's change how much you invest versus keep on deposit. Let's change how much of your earnings you invest rather than spend. Let's change a little bit about these are all the I might have mentioned it before the levers that you pull to alter the the outcomes. You know, so by pulling a lever, how does that affect this picture? rather than having to follow, as I say, reams and reams of data. Sorry, I'm just getting distracted by all the animation again. <laughs> oh, yeah. So my, hands. nobody's seeing my hands moving yeah. everywhere. So, but I know you where I'm... You hit me at one point. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, I thought I'll just do it. What we need is a video of outtakes of all the things that you do with your arms while you're talking. Oops. <laughs> it's passion. It's passion. Um Okay, so that's that's talking about how visual it is um, and how it helps facilitate the conversation. Um, but slightly more um, dry side of it, as part of the regulatory process, I know the Financial Conduct Authority expects you to understand someone's capacity for loss. Um, so how does cash flow modelling help you here and also just, just take us through capacity for loss as well? So capacity for loss, it's... It, I don't suppose it's a phrase that's, that's readily used or understood by by many people, but it is getting 
increased prominence in, in the financial advice world and certainly a lot of focus from the Financial Conduct Authority. When regulation came in, suddenly we were, we were being asked to undertake risk assessments. Yeah. So around 30 years ago, for the first time, instead of just walking into your uh, local investment advisor and saying, here's my money invested and then finding out or not finding out where it is and you know, it's all gone into Japan and Japan's crashed, um, you were being asked to, in, to, to fill out risk questionnaires. Now, I'm not a fan of risk questionnaires. No, I know. Um, because really, they're just measuring someone's tolerance for volatility rather than really understanding risk. And risk, I suppose, is what is my ability to withstand a permanent loss of capital? So for capacity for loss is what is someone's ability to withstand a permanent loss of capital, not the volatility of the stock market. Okay. So it's going to help me and it's going to tell me how much of someone's savings and investments need to be readily available to meet their needs at a particular point in the future when, for example, the stock stock market might have fallen and we want to leave those assets alone to recover. Um, and actually talking about the stock markets, uh, cash flow modelling sounds like a fantastic tool and it can do all sorts of things, but can it factor in a, a market crash? It can, but not the first iteration. Okay. So the first iteration I'm doing is really just saying, let's just get some nice, straight line, simple data. We might then do one of those catastrophe models, what if something yeah. happens. But the other one, it, it, it is very important as people move from working and earning a living to living off their assets what if the stock market doesn't perform in a straight line Mm. and it never does so we can begin to use the cash flow and then overlay lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of different iterations Um, the 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 term is monte carlo modeling it's kind of saying okay if i keep rolling the dice and i'm getting different results each time What's it going to look like? Yeah. What is the what are the range of outcomes that I might be exposed to? And can I live within those range of outcomes? Yeah. So we can we can definitely use cash flow modeling to do that. But it's it's at a later stage of the conversation. Okay. All right. Uh, and you, you know, we've said before you've been talking to clients for nearly 40 years now. So you have a lot of experience and a lot of experience with cash flow modeling. Does that help? Um, does it help? I mean, I know it is a model and it's software and it's you put numbers into it and it works it all out. But does your experience help you use that model more effectively? I think it does. Um, and not necessarily in the way that you would expect. Right. So computers, software engineers, they can create so much complexity these days that you can spend way too much time modelling something that is going to be wrong. As I said, I have seen planners, and I might have been guilty of it myself, Mm. putting in every line of expenditure and trying to map that for the next 50, 60, 70 years. It's wrong. It's the wrong thing to do. What we really want to do is get a fairly rough and ready. If it's 80% accurate today, that's going to be enough to make a decision. What I want people to do is make decisions 
not try and create an accurate mm. cash flow mm. model that never gets actioned yeah. because there's another parameter that's changed. The interest rates have changed tomorrow. The stock market's fallen. No. What I want to do is to say, look, let's put the inputs in. It's broadly right. This is what you should be doing. Crack on. Perfect. Uh, I think we've hinted at a few limitations that cash flow modelling potentially has there. So I know you wanted to cover those and maybe we'll talk about that in the next episode, perhaps alongside some other tools that that kind of... Yeah, look, cash flow modelling does have its limitations. We know what they are and we know what we can do to overcome them and get round them. But as I said earlier, the very beginning, it is the central tool I've used that I've been using for the last 25 years to help me um, work with people and to give them the clarity they need to make important financial decisions. And actually, the limitations are not that important. What I don't want people to do is get wedded to the plan. I want them to get wedded to the idea of planning. All right. Well, more on this next time then. And if anyone's got any questions that they want to ask before that episode, then please go to our Twitter page.